0: or complete terms.
2: Or download your free investor's guide now at BuyLegacyGold.com. That's BuyLegacyGold.com. All right, in
3: about 15 minutes, here comes another word your way. Stand by for the keyword, which you can enter at the website, KFIAM640.com. Can't miss it as soon as you go there. A big banner drops down with Handel's head. That's where you enter the word to possibly win $1,000.
2: You know, in uh, the last few days, we've heard incessantly from Dr. Barbara Ferrer that Masks have to return by next week. And then we found out, and we played the uh, audio of this, Steve Gregory had it, that there are two prominent doctors at the uh, USC Medical Center, which said they're not seeing any evidence of this big hospital surge. They have One no, of them's
3: an epidemiologist, we he, should point out.
2: He said repeatedly, nobody, nobody, nobody in the ICU, nobody intubated, nobody with any uh, serious uh, lung issues that... Uh, The vast majority of people who have COVID in the hospital came to the hospital with something else, and they do a blood test. It's like, oh, you got a little COVID, too. But there's relatively few people going to the hospital because of COVID. Uh, That has not uh, caused uh, Dr. Ferrer to budge. I love when people who are wrong never budge. This is fascinating. (laughs) Uh, But we'll see. We'll see. We're we're calling in another expert here. Yes. Frequent guest here on the John and Ken Show, Dr. Jeffrey Klausner. That's right. Keck School of Medicine. He's an infectious disease specialist
3: at USC. And uh, he has weighed in on this. And uh, the headline in this story is, Bad news. COVID-19 numbers are pretty meaningless. So let's talk about all that.
2: Dr. Klausner, how are you?
1: All right. Good, good. Good afternoon, gentlemen.
2: All right. So we got Barbara Ferrer, who's uh, claiming uh, it's so bad, we go got to go back to indoor masking. And then you had these uh, two doctors, and I'm sure you know these two, at the USC Medical Center saying there's no, there's no big surge going on that's affecting the hospital and the ICU unit. So what's, what's the story here?
1: Well, the story is that the, the CDC has created tiers of risk, and those tiers are defined both by a combination of a number of newly reported cases, which are positive test results, which I'm not sure uh, you're surprised that, they're, that, that they've been high, right? We've known a lot of people who've tested positive in the past week or two. And then the second part of that metric is if the, hospitals or the po- hospital rates are above 10 per 100,000. And right now, according to uh, Dr. Ferrer and the L.A. County data, we're at about 11 per 100,000. And if we continue at that rate for more than 14 days, then trigger automatically the mask mandates go in.
2: Now, is that 11 per 100,000 all patients with COVID or patients who were hospitalized specifically because of COVID?
1: Yeah, well, that's part of the problem, and that's part of the problem in my essay when I say that the, you know, COVID numbers are pretty meaningless because, you know, a a year ago or two years ago, I mean, 80 90% of every COVID hospitalization was actually due to COVID. Now, in most places around the country, 70 eight, eighty 80% are not due to COVID, and Dr. Spellberg and his colleagues said about 10% may be at the uh, county hospital truly due to COVID. And only a few places, Marin County, state of Massachusetts, actually tease apart the difference between people hospitalized for COVID and hospitalized with COVID.
2: Now, you and some of your colleagues did uh, a deep dive, you said, into COVID hospitalizations at LA County uh, at an L.A. County public hospital. And, and you found that over two-thirds were admitted for reasons other than COVID.
1: Yeah. So we, we, we reviewed about 460 consecutive hospitalizations in December and January last year. We painstakingly looked at every chart, reviewed the medical records, saw if people needed oxygen or treatment for COVID pneumonia. And we found only 38% at that time were actually there for COVID. Uh, most people, the majority, were there for Other causes such as trauma, such as, um, you know, broken bones or or, or something else. Part of the challenge is that uh, the state of California and and the the feds recommend that everyone who is admitted to a hospital is tested for COVID. So it's it's, it's as if, you know, everyone who had, you know, blue hair all, all of a sudden is identified and they're, you know, recognized as a potential as a potential COVID hospitalization. So there's a big overcount And, you know, the county really should not be using these overcount numbers to implement policy. They need to look at true COVID hospitalizations.
2: Now, they're also overcounting deaths that are connected to COVID. Can you explain that?
1: So in April 2020, uh, uh, the um, Department of Health and Human Services came out with with guidelines that said that – Every uh, death certificate should put a COVID-positive test in what they call part one of of the death certificate, which is the upper part of the death certificate, which are events leading to death. So by definition, they they were saying that anyone who tests positive for COVID, that COVID was related to their cause of death, whether it was truly related or not. And that was a way to systematically make sure that there was no undercounting of COVID mortality, which was a big problem early on, right? When we didn't have tests, people were dying at home without being tested. We didn't really know the burden. But now, you know, two-plus years later, we can do a much better job of knowing who's dying from COVID versus something else.
3: So these daily reports we get from the county health department, which lists the number of deaths, is that reliable? Have they changed the
1: methodology? Well, it's interesting. So on their website, every month they actually report in the prior month, how many COVID hospitalizations were probably due to COVID and how many were probably not due to COVID but still counted as COVID hospitalizations. And if you look at that, in August 2021, not surprisingly, about 80% of COVID hospitalizations were really due to COVID, and now it's about 20 or 30%. So on the county's own website, it characterizes it, but for uh, reasons I don't fully understand, those are not the data that are routinely shared uh, with the public.
2: So what's what's the what's behind this story? Because listening to you is going to make people very cynical and suspicious of all these official numbers, and people are going to start to wonder, okay, what what's the real reason for a mask mandate here? Because you're saying pretty much what the other two doctors at U, U, USC are saying, and then Barbara Ferrer is over here, and so who are we supposed to trust and believe?
1: Right. So I mean, obviously, I'm. I'm... I'm not inside her head. So we can think that, you know, perhaps, you know, the idea of mass and, and as you know, there's a big debate about whether masks are are effective at a population level for preventing the spread. We do know they do work to prevent, you know, uh, acquisition of infection individuals, particularly those who are at risk or elderly or unvaccinated, but as a public health strategy to control the spread of infection, The, you know, mass data is actually, uh, you know, quite uncertain. But maybe, you know, people are thinking, okay, well, if we can prevent new positive tests, we can keep, you know, people working, we can keep people going to school, we won't have to have these other disruptions that a positive test results in.
2: Right. But when you get into a mandate and you force people against their will, you're going to run into a lot of resistance, which I think is just counterproductive if you want people to listen to you in the future when there's a real serious problem?
1: Well, I mean, I agree. I think, you know, you know public health and, uh, is built on trustworthiness and transparency. Uh, public health leaders report to elected officials. The, you know, elected officials need to uh, hold public health uh, accountable if the, you know, populace is uncertain or there's, you know, questions about, uh, about policy.
2: All right, Dr. Klausner, thank you for coming on with us again.
1: All right, take care.
2: All right. All right Dr. Dr.
1: Jeffrey
3: Klausner, and of course, he's a clinical professor. He works at the Keck School of Medicine at USC. And as we heard from the LA County medical officer the other day, that this hype about the, I mean, as I said before, this, uh, you know, uh, metric that they're using to consider us sort of in this high community transmission rate. Is ridiculously low. It's like ten hospitalizations per yeah. hundred thousand people.
2: So we're dealing now with a bureaucrat, uh, Doctor Ferrer, and she again, she's not a medical doctor. She got a doctorate. Yeah, I told you we're not calling her doctor yeah, anymore. Right. Don't uh, do that. That's right. All right, Barbara Ferrer has got a studied public health, and we got a problem here because she's making claims. And now you know, you, we, we last week we brought you the two other USC doctors, and you heard Doctor Klausner. And it's, it's a simple thing to understand here. You look at all the people in the hospital who have COVID, most of them, vast majority, were brought in with other reasons. Like Dr. Klausner said, trauma, broken bones. Do a blood test. Hey, look, you tested positive. Now, most of them may be asymptomatic for all we know. And then you have the same thing as Dr. Klausner went through the statistics on the deaths. People are dying. They may die and happen to have the COVID virus in them, but the COVID virus didn't kill them. The death was due to something else. So we have we have Barbara Frere using these numbers to inflame people and to issue these restrictive mandates by force. And it, and and clearly, if you objectively look at the numbers, that's that's not necessary. This is like a, abuse of power. Right. So what are we supposed to do? And this is what I feared for all this time. What do you do when public figures have the power, have emergency powers, but there isn't actually an emergency? And who to go to to point out the obvious? We don't have an emergency. We don't. But we have somebody who says there is an emergency. And they're wrong. And the numbers objectively prove they're wrong. The science proves they're wrong. Now what do we do? You know, there's supposed to be checks and balances here. There's supposed to be a way for the people to to not be hit with onerous restrictions because somebody is in error or is on a power trip, is obsessive. I mean, these are all human beings, too. They're they're not superheroes. She's got her issues, and, and these issues, now she's acting out with them. She can't let go of the power. And well, so so she's looking at the same numbers. She's looking at the same numbers that everybody else is looking at. But she's got the interpretation that we have an emergency. Everything has to be masked now.
3: All right. Well, there's more on Ferrer when we come back, uh, including also the first thing we'll do is give you the keyword for a chance at some money.
2: John and Ken show
3: KFI. Well, with Barbara Ferrer, it's all in the family. We'll tell you a story coming up right after this.
2: Now, your chance to win $1,000. Just enter this nationwide keyword on our website. Green, that's green, G-R-E-E-N. Enter it now at kfiam640.com slash cash. Powered by Sweet James Accident Attorneys. If you're hurting an accident, winning is everything. Call the winning attorneys at Sweet James. 800-500-5200. That's 800-500-5200 or sweetjames.com. If you win, we will uh, notify you by email. So just spend the day staring at your email box. And check your junk and spam folders in case it goes there. Listen to KFI, the winning keyword, every weekday from 9 in the morning till 5 in the afternoon. Next chance to win next hour at 520 on KFI.
3: All right. Well, we have a story that came out this afternoon. It's at redstate.com, which is a conservative-leaning website written by Jennifer Van Laar, that apparently Barbara Ferrer's daughter was the part of a study that the CDC relied upon to push school mask mandates. And apparently that wasn't really disclosed and appears to be a conflict of interest. The report says that the study found that COVID mitigation efforts in schools, including masking, were highly effective in stopping disease spread. The CDC did cite it in several of its statements on the importance of masking In schools. It was authored by the LA County Office of Education. And one of the people in the Office of Education apparently is Barbara Ferrer's daughter. Her name is Caitlin Barnes. Her title is Project Manager at the LA County Office of Education. Um, It said, although study authors are required to disclose any conflicts of interest. Uh, and then Barbara Ferrer was in the acknowledgment section. There was no mention that one of the people involved in the study is the daughter of the L.A. County medical office head who and uh, pushes uh, masking in schools Um her personal agenda.
2: Also, she's not a medical doctor. In fact, she has no scientific background or a Ph.D. in any field.
3: No, it um, says here that her professional background is a combination of her father's career in urban planning and community organizing.
2: You and, know, it never occurred to me that Barbara Ferreira would have a husband. I don't know why.
3: Uh, maybe not anymore, because she's got her father's last name and Barbara Ferreira does not. Uh, maybe. maybe uh, yeah, I
2: don't, I don't know. That just didn't strike me. Uh,
3: but well, She not only had a husband or something and a daughter, so uh, she got a B.A., with a major in Metropolitan Studies and a minor in Politics from NYU. Oh, look at this. Her research focus, focused on urban planning and policy, immigration, race, and racism, and, and health equity.
2: Yeah, that's all the uh, the bullcrap studies, all the nonsense studies. Um, so this study concluded that students who went to school during the winter of 2021 tested positive for COVID at a much lower rate than their peers who did not attend LA County schools that the protocols in place in LA County were responsible for this according sounds to Sounds kind of bare according like, to really the daughter of the person who put in the protocols a rash of stories published around this time the study was released follow the same pattern they lead with the story of a teacher who had allegedly infected 26 people by reading to her students without wearing a mask taking care to emphasize that the teacher was one of only two unvaccinated teachers in the school then the stories shift. Uh, hey, look! This new study out of LA County shows that mandatory masking works.
3: <laughs> and apparently the CDC, the CDC director, this Rochelle Walensky, had mentioned the study in a press briefing.
2: Now, as we have found out, that the spread in schools around the nation was extremely tiny, and here in LA County, in LA City specifically, you not only had. Well, you didn't have kids wearing masks in schools. There were no schools. Everything was shut down. Kids were told to sit at home and stare at a screen, and that was a complete failure. Wow. Uh, you know what? We, we, we told you the salary of uh, Barbara Ferrer the other day, including benefits, $637,000. Caitlin Barnes, her daughter, is making 147000 in 2021. So between the two of them, we are paying... Barbara Ferrer and her daughter, $780,000? $780, $784,000. Good reward. The
3: Department of Education is headed by a woman who's very fond of Ferrer. She actually tweeted out, I'm in awe of these two amazing women who I can only hope to emulate through my own
2: leadership. And then the picture there is. You know something? Ferrer. I. Y- then there's a conclusion in the story um, that says this woman is not a scientist or a public health professional. She's an activist pursuing her agenda by any means necessary. And that's that's Barbara Ferrer, and that's the daughter. That's what we're being held hostage to. Two social justice warrior activists with a woke agenda, and they are now twisting the numbers and insisting on mask protocols simply because she finds inequity in the numbers. For example, more a disproportionate number of Hispanics getting the
3: yeah more cases in the what they call the lower income so, underserved communities right. And that's so the she, agenda to try to kind of fix that by throwing but, restrictions on everyone but, that but, don't but, really necessarily
2: work. So you 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 put you use your your woke language and your woke agenda to intimidate people into wearing a face diaper every time they walk indoors. And there's no scientific need for this. And some of the science came from Ferrer's uh, daughter, who's got no scientific background.
3: The one thing we've learned about COVID is that it comes and goes and bursts. It moves in, there's a number of cases, then it fades away after a couple of months. It's happened time and time again. But what we're looking at now is not any real sicknesses from it. So this is why we no. need to move on well, that's and ignore the
2: noise. It's now watered down. It's more of a nuisance than anything else. I mean, I know plenty of people have gotten COVID just in the last couple of weeks. That's a it's pain in the neck nuisance for a few days. But, but no, nobody's being uh, taken out in a stretcher. Not even no. close. All right. We got more coming up. How does this end? And who's going to make it end? John and Ken Show, KFI. All
3: right, day after tomorrow, we're back with the Moistline people. A quick reminder to leave your messages either through the iHeartRadio app, that's the little microphone icon you use to talk back to the show, or by calling the toll-free number, 1-877-MOIST-86, 1-877-664-7886. Well, we don't normally talk about things that deal with sports on the John and Ken Show, but this one has quite an angle to it. And we cannot resist. This is the fact that recently UCLA and USC announced they're leaving the Pac-12 and joining the Big Ten Conference with their sports. Today, Gavin Newsom showed up at a UC Board of Regents meeting, and he was worked up. The first duty of every public university is to its people, especially its students. UCLA must clearly explain to the public how this deal will improve the experience for all of its student-athletes, and will honor its century-old partnership with UC Berkeley. Because this move leaves UC Berkeley as the only state school left in the Pac-12. And they will be economically devastated. The TV rights will shrink to almost nothing without well, UCLA and USC. The, plus, other schools are likely to leave,
2: too. Well, right? the TV rights are the reason this is happening. Because. Oh, this is a
3: big deal. Apparently, UCLA had a big deficit, so they're looking for this TV deal money. No, the Pac
2: 12 network does not produce much revenue. No. So, you know. The
3: uh, rights deal for the Big Ten for UCLA creates a billion dollars.
2: I just can't understand why Gavin Newsom is worried about this when there's so much other stuff going on in this state that he should be worried about. Yeah. Who cares if UCLA and USC are leaving the Pac-12 to go make more money for their schools and their student-athletes, which it will all go back to the school, all this revenue. So I, Newsom has so many other problems to worry about. He needs to figure that out first. See, the big networks run the big conferences now in football. Uh, ESPN carries all the SEC games in the South, right? And it's, it's a huge windfall of money. And they get big uh, audiences. And Fox is, I think, going to be running is running the Big Ten Network. They do. Right. So now US, USC and UCLA can have a share of, of that huge windfall. But Pac-12 is its own independent network. And from what I've read over the years, it was conceived badly, managed badly. And nobody's making many, any money at it. And the audiences are, are small.
3: Yeah, I, I have DirecTV. They refuse to pick it up. So that cost him a lot of viewers.
2: Yeah, I get it on a specialty tier. uh, And, you know, it's way up in the 370s. You don't get it automatically the way you get Fox and ESPN channels.
3: But here's the fun part of this story, which is why we're talking about it. Highlighted in a Wall Street Journal column by a writer named James Freeman. UCLA's Big 10 story. The school claims that athletic contests in states on California's ban list will be voluntary for coaches, staff, and players. We talked about this recently. The state of California actually passed a law that bans any official state travel to 22 states because of their policies dealing with the LGBTQ community or I don't, know, is it abortion? I forget the full list. Uh, but a lot of it, a it has to do with, of like,
2: transgender issues.
3: Ohio, Indiana, and Iowa are on that list. So UCLA travels there. How are they going to do that when they would be using
2: it's state be, money? The alumni are going to have to finance the trip. But you can't force the athletes and you can't force the coaches to go on a trip to a banned state. Well, so officially everyone is going to volunteer to go.
3: Yes, the response came from uh, uh, here's a, from Scott Markley, the UCLA Bruins Senior Associate Athletic Director for Communications. That's a long title. Should UCLA compete or recruit in a banned state in compliance with the law, none of the costs for travel to that state will come from state funds. In addition, if a team competes in a banned state, student athletes and staff will receive... Education about the relevant California law, <laughs> like the reasons why we're not supposed to go there. And as John mentioned, they'll be given the option to opt out of the travel with no but, risk of consequence. But Boy, this
2: is. Nobody's going to opt out. They're going to get uh, pamphlets about all the uh, sexual the wrong's laws. Wrongs, right. This is, this is what California. This is amazing. Newsom has stuck his beacon to other states' politics. You imagine if he became president, what life would be like he's telling these states that if you don't go with my value system, then uh, we're not going to pay to send our football teams to play your teams. Well, please, if you don't listen to Newsom and you're living in, a, in a, you're living in Indiana and Gavin Newsom is telling people what to do there or their football team can't play our football team it's like FNU and of course the teams are going to play and of course you know the alumni are going to fund whatever uh, travel fund uh, needs to be put together
3: oh and who was even going to go check to see whether or not they didn't
2: spend any Oh, yeah, UCLA, you could, you, you could state bury State tax money on the trip. You or... could bury it in the miscellaneous category. Plus,
3: this bill's been around a few years. I, I, I'd have to look it up, but I imagine UCLA's probably traveled to one of these states in the last several years. It's on this list. Uh, this is so... But now that it's the Big Ten but Conference is... and three states are on the list, what are you going to do?
2: This is nanny woke government. They start infecting everything. A college football team or a basketball team can't just have its normal schedule. Now they're going to have to do the through the complexities of raising money and separating the money and spending certain funds just on these road games when they're traveling. And, and, and the players are going to get all kinds of pamphlets on all the sexuality laws that these 20 states have or don't have and how this offends Governor Newsom. It's none of your business. Yeah,
3: because what happened was—I mean—that was basically a virtue signal. They just wanted to show everybody, oh, look, we're
2: taking a stand. God, did anybody ask about the uh, sports teams? Oh, and well. and Eric's right. We can all go through a list of uh, ten real emergencies going on in the state that he's utterly clueless and incompetent on. Instead, he, he's flying around the country, selling himself as the next big Democratic hope, and and he's 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 actually prattling about travel restrictions for a football team. Every hour is more absurd than the last hour. You think the student-athletes care about the bands in those states either? No. Exactly. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about this stuff. There's a tiny fringe that cares, but they're constantly shouting about it, and they've got all the media megaphones, and you can't escape it anymore. You can't just say, look, I don't want to hear it anymore. I don't care. I just want to live life. I don't want to live in a world where I constantly are being hit over the head with this stuff. All right,
3: coming up after 5 o'clock, what a story. Apparently, the L.A. County District Attorney, George Gascon, is pulling in quite a big-name lawyer to represent himself in front of the California State Supreme Court. This is an appeal because, uh, obviously, his policies and his directives have been challenged even by his own L.A. County Deputy District Attorneys, and he is going to be spending a lot of your taxpayer money on a top attorney who actually represented... Al Gore in the 2000 election dispute? And has appeared before the U.S. Supreme Court dozens of times, so uh, it says here his firm charges as much as $2,465 an hour.
2: Mm -hmm. And apparently he has two distinctly opposite viewpoints on the same issue, depending on whose side he's on.
3: All right, we'll talk about this after five. John and Ken, KFI. Oh, I understand that next hour there's going to be a really good story. You got to hear about a West Hollywood City Council member. West Hollywood recently voted to reduce the number of LA County Sheriff's deputies who are patrolling the city in favor of security ambassadors. You need to hear this story. Uh, apparently, Steve Gregory's putting it together. We're supposed to present it at five thirty. Is that right? Oh, here on, on the John and Ken uh,
2: show. I have something to live for for another forty
3: minutes then. I have a question for Deborah Mark.
4: Yes, Ken.
3: Did you or did you not kill P eighty nine?
4: I did not kill that poor mountain lion. Yes, it wasn't my neck of the woods, but it wasn't the one hundred and one
3: freeway in the Santa Monica Mountains, the area of Woodland Hills, Desoto, and Winnetka exits. Isn't this your territory? It was, yes, it uh, is.
2: Uh, he was hit by a, a woman in a convertible. It wasn't who smiled amazing. and waved as she <laughs> no wearing Hollywood glasses no. No, wait a minute. you you hit an animal
3: this size wouldn't that do damage?
2: To oh your...
4: God yes
2: oh yeah you that'd be a big explosion oh,
3: of uh... the, to- the picture of him he's lying there dead oh, did you God, see it
4: no, no Got I, the I collar on the not. tracking
3: collars on him
4: no. not Two not years interested. old
3: That's so sad Well them's the brakes what um what do you think mountain lion tastes like?
4: I wouldn't have a clue.
2: Isn't there a restaurant? Don't we have a roadkill law now that you can... No, is there a restaurant? I think it's up in the Northern Valley area.
4: Oh, I know what you're talking about. Where
2: they serve all kinds of wild game. Off of Topanga. Saddleback something? Yeah,
4: Saddleback Lodge.
2: Yeah, yeah, I've always wanted to go there. Of How course. would you know that, Deborah Mark? Because that sounds uh, abhorrent well, to you.
4: Well, first of all, it is, and I've driven by it, and I know people who are meat eaters that go uh-huh. there. They like it? Yeah, they do. And they eat get the animals? menu. I'd
3: love to see what the menu looks like.
4: Oh, I'll of... send it to you.
3: And they're allowed to do this? I thought there's some game you can't really... I, I
4: don't know exactly uh, what let's... they serve, because I have not gone there.
2: Hmm. John's looking wa- it up. I've always wanted to go. I've never had much in the way of uh, unusual game. I had alligator once.
3: Yeah, I was in a foreign country, and they had tiger on the
2: menu, but (sighs) I passed. The hotel where we had our wedding served alligator on their lunch menu. That is That's when I had it. I had it like a couple of days before the wedding. Who
3: needs alligators? What does it matter? And they're going to die. Like, this poor thing got hit by a car. It's dead, so serve it up.
4: You would eat it, Ken?
2: I don't know. That's why I asked. What does a mountain lion taste like? You want to hear some of the uh, dinners here? Uh, tartar of New Zealand elk. Ooh. I'd have that. Uh, <laughs> uh, let me see. I don't see anything all that crazy. I've had though. buffalo.
3: Yes, we had buffalo jerky years ago. Was it? Oh no, we had ostrich jerky.
2: Trader what Joe's mean? sells buffalo burgers. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> uh, places that actually I've had do buffalo, sell buffalo burgers. Yeah, that's about uh, as uh, you guys as are as, killing as, me here. No, really? th- you know, yes. I, th- I thought they would have more strange, exotic stuff. It's not that. Not well, that, you can uh, check
4: it off your list then. Crazy,
2: yeah. yeah other than the elk and uh, elk burgers, mm. I remember that was a the thing. There was some company, some entrepreneur who was trying to sell elk burgers some years ago, hmm. as I remember. Uh, Imagine
3: eating an anteater or like a no, <laughs> or, a or an armadillo. How about peacock? A peacock. <laughs> yeah, put a peacock on a, on a on a on a platter.
2: That's a pretty flimsy bird, though. There's not it much meat on. there, no. Like a
3: flamingo, there's not much to it.
2: <laughs> flamingo, <laughs> <laughs> <side> of flamingo. <laughs> oh, that'd be cruel cooking a flamingo.
3: <laughs> It'd be tough to chop up an armadillo too, right?
2: <laughs> oh, oh yeah, I saw a video of an armadillo the other day, and if it feels threatened, it rolls itself up into a ball with its armor. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, so you, it, it, supposedly you can't penetrate. It looks like a metal soccer ball. <laughs> So if you try to eat that, it'll probably get lodged in your throat. So I, I really know. thought this place was it was crazy with all kinds of weird animals, and it. it's just not none of this is on the menu right now. You don't
4: now. eat weird stuff though, so I don't understand why you were so well, excited about it.
2: Now, Deborah, I thought they built wildlife
3: crossings to try to yes, help they... these critters get across the freeways. No?
4: Yes, there's one in Agora, but it's not it's not done yet.
3: Did any, nobody told the mountain lion? Oh, it's not done yet. Okay, no, no,
4: it's not. And besides, finish. they sure. have to
3: be educated and told where to cross.
4: Well, I'm confused. I don't know exactly how these animals are going to figure it out but i'm sure that there's there's a well, plan they're
2: going to post, figu- see- post signs yeah sure
4: <laughs> yes. the animals read
3: yeah, and there's different routes for different animals <laughs> yeah,
2: until the street racers
3: deer take go over. this way mountain lions go this way is like, a little like a little <laughs> it's pictures, supposed to be done little emojis, little it, emojis
4: the wildlife crossing <laughs> is over the 101 near Gore hills you know, by 2025
2: Oh, is that right? Yeah. Uh, Two more years, jeez! How, how long does it take to build a bridge? Well,
4: obviously, a long time. You got
3: one of these mountain lion field biologists. His name is Jeff Sykich.
4: and he's saying that if,
3: what we've learned: the freeways are major barriers to movement. Well, too bad. The 101, the 405 are like 10 lanes. It's very dangerous. Most animals don't cross, but every now and then somebody tries. The
2: freeways have been around for 60 years, and they just figured out that wildlife can't cross it. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) 60 years they had to build build a bridge. Uh, I don't know what they do all day. I really don't. All
3: right. Apparently, we're going to start next hour with Steve Gregory on this West Hollywood City Council member story. It's a good one. As I mentioned, they recently voted to downsize from the L.A. County Sheriff's Deputy Patrols to more guys wearing vests with little security ambassador badges. uh, (laughs) It turns out that... (laughs) Stop! I have a security badge! Stop!
2: I'm an ambassador! uh,
3: So Steve is going to come on next with this story because the city council member is uh, requesting protection. From the sheriff's deputies, not from the ambassadors. You'll, okay. you'll find out why. So
2: if that guy get, gets let out again, the one who's whacking women with metal pipes. Oh, that's in downtown. Well, yeah, what do you, yeah, what are you supposed to do if he's whacking you over the head with a metal pipe? And you're supposed to call, Mr. Ambassador, save me, save me. Oh, I
3: I couldn't resist this story about the mountain lion. It has a name that I have to, you know how I love names. Mm. A senior scientist for the Center for Biological Diversity is Tiffany Yap. <laughs> that brings new meaning when she's speaking too much. Shut your Yap.
2: <laughs> yap. <Yeah. laughs>
3: Tiffany Yap.
2: Yap. All right. Steve Gregory's coming on next. John again show. Deborah Mark has news. KFI AM six forty. It's never been more important to diversify your financial portfolio.
3: Well, that's right. The SP is down twenty percent from the last year, and this year
2: looks even worse. Gold and precious metals offer a hedge against inflation and stock market volatility. And Legacy Precious Metals is the company Canon and I trust. Protect your
3: retirement account by rolling it into a gold-backed IRA or have metals shipped directly to your door.
2: Call our friends at Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-691-2173.
3: Or visit buylegacygold.com.